Our first reading today is from Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Our second reading is from Romans, chapter 8, verses 17 to, oh, no, sorry, 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Thanks, Michelle. I'm okay. Yeah, thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Building our biblical ethic in recent weeks has shown us from the Bible that whilst our beliefs and our behaviours may be good or bad or perhaps uncertain, a belief or behaviour is right if it makes or maintains mutual love relationships between us and God and between ourselves. And mutual love relationships are other person-focused relationships for the good of the other. 
And beliefs and behaviors which champion the good of another reflect God's natural being. Three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, in perfect divine mutual love relationships. And when we relate to one another as God relates in himself, we are doing right. We are fulfilling the purpose of the nature that God has given to us. And this is the way in which God will establish his kingdom here on earth. As we reflect his mutual love amongst his people in preparation for the return of his son Jesus when he brings about his new creation and we shall fully be established as people in mutual love relationships forever. And some days we see signs of this mutual love amongst us, amongst God's people. And sometimes we see signs of mutual love in our world. We see the coin in the cancer charity jar, or we hear of the sponsorship of a needy child, or we hear a story or see a tweet relating to some champion against injustice. But not always, because people are selfish. People are suspicious. People are self-centered, because... We live in a world in which we have discarded God. And we live in a world in which we have discarded one another. And people fail to put God and others' interests before their own, even to the point of discarding those who are weaker and vulnerable in our society. The most vulnerable are in need of protection more than anyone else. My family and I went on a trip this week. We went to visit Blue Scope Steel. Now I know that many of you have done this tour, but it was our first time as visitors there. And um, we had, I have to say, I really recommend it, by the way, if you've not been. We have this amazing experience of seeing the massive buckets that hold molten uh, metal at 1,800 degrees C. And when these buckets are not being used, these refractories that keep the coke in, they have to be kept really hot. Because if they're not kept hot, even while they're not doing the work, uh, they can cool off, and when the hot molten metal goes in, they crack. And it got me thinking to how, in a way, over the last three weeks, we've been building a biblical ethic in order, under God, to keep warm and prepare ourselves for the really hot topics. This week and next week are, I think, the most difficult issues that we're going to look at together as a church and in community life. The way in which we, as God's people need to speak into how our society treats others, especially those who have no voice of their own, who are vulnerable and cannot protect themselves. And so these hot topics this week are the unborn, 
and next week those who are at end of life. How the most vulnerable people in our world are so often discarded by others. Whereas God and we as his people are to be devoted to them in mutual love. So this week, uh, I want to just alert you to what's coming up. We've already heard the announcement for the Q&A on the 3rd of August, that Wednesday night. But I really want for that to be a space within which we can ask those questions that have not yet been answered. So David, myself, and another special guest will be there. And if you have questions you'd like us to think about and pray about in advance, just send them to connect at myfat.org.au and we'd be pleased to receive those. You'll also see on the pamphlets that Shane alluded to that we put on some, what I hope are, helpful resources for us together uh, to look at the conference on being single-minded with Sam, uh, the significant marriage course that's coming up in relation to being uh, connected together in relationship. But also you'll see on the back some specialist counselling services uh, with Anglicare and with Diamond Women. And also, finally, um, we have this morning arranged for there to be some people who will be at the back of the auditorium as we leave who will be really keen to pray with you if there's something that's come up in the last three weeks or comes up today that you'd like to take to the Lord with somebody else praying with you. So I hope those are really going to help us on our journey as we look at these hot topics. But above all, let me pray and put us in the Lord's hands as we consider his word together. Father God, we are so very thankful that you have spoken and preserve for us in the scriptures all that we need to know that is necessary for salvation and for godly living. We know, Lord God, that some of these issues in life get very complicated and very personal in terms of our thoughts and our feelings. And so we pray that you would be with us on this journey to help us think your thoughts after you, but also to be real with you and with one another. We pray that you'd please help us to build a biblical ethic that especially takes to heart what it means to love those who have no voice of their own and need your protection through us in this world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So by way of a bit of a recap, what we've been building by way of an ethic over these last few weeks is firstly that we are alive. In the beginning, God created He created both male and female, that we might be connected both in singleness and in marriage and devoted to the bearing and raising of children as he prepares to establish us eternally in his family forever. And I'd love you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139 that we had read for us uh, first. And there's three points this morning, and the first one is conceived, conceived. You know, the process at Blue Scope takes the most unlikely materials. It takes raw iron ore, but also repurposed junk metal and puts them together in a hot pot, this blazing furnace. And all that's needed is there, the elements, but also the chemical reactions for this, uh, this metal to be cleaned and to be refined. The slag is removed. The impurities are removed. And it got me thinking about what of God's people, God's vision of us from the very beginning, this refining process. What is the raw material with which God begins? 
And I think David, inspired by God's spirit here, wrote of what it is to be conceived by God. Verses 1 to 6 speak of what it means to be known by God. David, speaking as the king of Israel. And we, as followers of King Jesus, the king of kings, can take these words upon our lips and into our hearts. Verse 1, that we are searched and known by God. That our beliefs and behaviors verses 2 and 3, may follow his. That our words are known to him before, verse 4, they are even spoken. And to know that we are loved, that God is close to his children, verse 5, and yet we will never really begin to fathom the fullness of this God, verse 6. We're not only known by God, but we have been formed by God. We see in verses 7 to 16, central to this poem, of how uh, David is known by God. And that for us in Christ, we are known fully. That God, verses 7 to 12, sees and knows David and any man fully in any place that we may go in our lives. And we'll stay with formed by God for now. God knows David and us being formed in the womb that every one of our days is numbered by God, verses 13 to 16. And then we have this extraordinary verse that says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, precious and beloved to him. Thirdly and finally, the last section is about being loved by God, 17 to 24. God's thoughts, even concerning us, are vast and valuable, 17 and 18. He treasures those known to him even before we were conceived. We were all vulnerable. So God protects and cares for his children, verses 19 to 20. And then finally, 21 to the end, he shows his eternal love to us that we may show his love to others. A profound thing about these words is we can take them upon our own lips and we can do so, in fact, as Tony modeled for us by way of prayer to speak God's words after him. And God takes raw iron ore lives. And sometimes he takes repurposed junk metal later in life and wonderfully takes these broken people to prepare us to be refined in his love in Jesus. And now I want us to go and have a look at Romans chapter 8, our second reading we had. And to look from the very first verse where it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we hear here my second point about how we have been adopted into God's family. Broken people, fallen in the rebellion of Adam and yet raised up with Jesus Christ for the process of adoption and refining to be made more like Jesus. You know, at Blue Scope, we went on our tour, and the next bit we saw how these raw materials must be treated with processes to refine them. And we stood at the very top of this extraordinary scaffold, looking down as this big hunk of metal, which was so hot that we could feel the heat rising up into our faces, was being superheated with fire and simultaneously supercooled with water. And likewise, people are given a cleansing from our sins 
that we might then be given the assurance of peace with God and be refined in this way. Uh, Verses 1 to 10 of chapter 8 in Romans describes life in the Spirit. The reason that Jesus was born as God's Son into this world was to save us. God, by sending His own Son in the likeness of weak flesh, freed us from our sins, verses 1 to 3, from the effects as well of sin and death, and to offer us life in the Spirit, verses 4 to 10. And His Spirit lives in and directs the hearts of Jesus' followers to do good because we have been adopted into God's family. Verses 12 to 17 describes how we were once enslaved to the desires of the flesh. Though there may still be some amongst us who are. The freedom from that slavery comes from surrendering to Jesus Faith in Jesus frees us from slavery, of being mastered by our desires. And it tells us in verses 12 to 13, now if you live according to the flesh, you will dive into eternity. But if you live according to the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live into eternity. And it is those who are led by the Spirit of God who are the children of God, verse 14 what John describes in his gospel as being born not of the flesh and not of the will of a man, but being born of God. And verse 15 says that when we are no longer slaves to flesh and frailty, but those who call God Father or Abba, the Spirit confirms with our spirit that you and I, verse 16, are adopted children into the eternal family of God. God. What greater privilege. We have been adopted. And right in the middle of that chapter is the centerpiece in verse 11 of what that means for us in the future. It is the hope of the resurrection. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, then what? Then we are raised with Christ from the dead And we will have the same hope for our mortal bodies beyond death. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give our mortal bodies life. And so the Spirit who lives in us testifies to us that we have an eternal hope when the new creation comes. So it is this assurance of future resurrection that informs our lives today what we might believe and how we might behave. Because if we know for sure that Jesus has given us life that will carry us through death and bring us to God, if we've been adopted as sons and daughters into his beloved forever family, if we really trust that when it comes to the day of our death that Jesus will carry us safely through then we can afford to live fearlessly, brothers and sisters. We can live selflessly, as Jesus did in mutual love. Redeemed by Jesus, who lived putting others first, that we too might live to put others first, cleansed by the water of his forgiveness and on fire with his spirit 
in this life. We've been adopted into his family. And you know, I just thought today, we're still getting into our stride with two readings each week. I didn't feel game enough to introduce a third, but I want to do that now with you, if you'll open your Bibles with me, to Philippians chapter 2, where Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he describes in verses 1 to 11 what it looks like for God's adopted children what it means to have a biblical ethic, to build our beliefs and behaviors after the mind of Christ. Because the next phase that we got to at Blue Scope as we got in our little bus and went along to have a look at what was next is we saw how that kind of raw steel that had been shaved off and cleaned up was now compressed and bent through big machines into the shape that it would finally become. And this compression and bending into shape is what the Spirit does in the life of a believer. And we long to have the mind of Christ, verse 5. Encouraged by unity in Christ, comforted in love, and in compassion with the Spirit, verse 3, do nothing motivated by selfish ambition. Rather, value others over yourself. Verse 4, look to the interest of others over your own, Because this is what it means, verse 5, to have the mind of Christ. And then Paul gives us this wonderful poem of Jesus, who he is and what he has done. Jesus Christ, in very nature God, did not grasp hold of his rightful place on a throne in heaven, but took on the nature of a servant And being found in appearance as a man, he was obedient to death on a cross. So God has exalted him to the highest place to give Jesus the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This Jesus, this Jesus is the one we want to be like. The mind that we wish to adopt is the mind of Christ. And now I take us to two really hot topics. Abortion and adoption. In Psalm 139 on abortion, we read that God's role in our creation and formation is in the womb. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 we read that God knew us even before we were formed in the womb. And as we go to Torah, Exodus chapter 21, we read that the penalty for someone who commits murder is death. And then we read in verses 22 to 25 that death is also the penalty for somebody who causes the death of a child in a womb. Now, if we accept from what we've looked at in the last three weeks that the nature of a baby from its conception gives its purpose as a person, this reconciles with God's word on a baby in the womb as being as valuable as an adult. In other words, in the womb, we do not have an embryo, or a fetus, or a blastomere, or a blastocyst. We have a person. 
Abortion then is not an issue of a woman's right to choose to have a baby or not. Abortion is the life or death of a human being made in the image of God. And I know that that is pastorally a very confronting issue. Especially if a baby is conceived abnormally. Where there is, for example, the situation of a rape. That brings another level of injustice and pain and trauma. There can be deep tensions where there is an unwanted or unexpected pregnancy. But, biblically, abortion is the killing of a human being created in the image of God. On very rare occasions, the life of a mother may be at risk in continuing pregnancy. That's a terrible dilemma. But it is my understanding from medical research and from my conversations with doctors over the years that it is rarely, very rarely, possibly never, from my conversations and research, necessary to kill a baby in the womb to save a mother's life. And remember, God is God. And God is good. And he can miraculously intervene to save lives. The truth of the matter is that most abortions are performed because the mother does not, or the parents, do not want to have the baby. Most women who have had abortions have enormous grief at some stage, if not ongoing, as a result of it. And I say this with the authority of Scripture, as we've just read from Romans 8.1, for those who have had an abortion, God can and will forgive you. And he can, and if you ask him, he will bring healing. And for those who have performed an abortion, God can and will forgive you. And bring healing, if you will ask him. Through faith in the grace of God in Jesus, all sins can be forgiven. Now I know that as of today, this is a topical issue given that in the United States of America, the Supreme Court has made a new ruling on Roe versus Wade. This may very well have paved the way for a reduction in abortion and it may very well have an impact on our own legislation here in Australia in the days ahead. But the question for us as God's people is, what does love look like in this situation? What is the better way for the adopted sons and daughters of God in the family of God? So I want us to consider adoption. The bearing and raising of children is an investment in discipleship for a lifetime. 
Many of us have our own children or are in families. Some families are without. For some families, this has been a choice. For others, it is not. For some, this is a grief. For some, this has been a choice. And for other families, it has been that their children have been the source of grief. But whatever the situation, God is always with us. I have to say as well that the raising of children is a lifetime's commitment. We have teenage kids now. They're very different from little kids. And you get to the point where you think you're just getting a handle on what's going on for them. And you realize that they've moved on. This is what it's like raising kids. And so we learn and learn because we love. And in the event that you are unwilling or unable to raise a child, you do have this family. We are God's family. And as a church, we are champions of adoption because we have been adopted. And I know a number of our families at Victory Anglican Church have been adopted children and have adopted children. And church families like Victory Anglican Church and indeed organizations that are Christian organizations like Diamond Women are ready to walk alongside those who may need to have children adopted. Giving children up for adoption may be the most loving option for some parents. And adoption can be an answer to prayer for many couples who want children. We would do well to remember that the Bible tells us wonderful stories of adoption. Moses was adopted. Esther was adopted. Might I even add that the Lord Jesus himself had an adopted father in Joseph. What a very wonderful privilege it was for him. Bringing a child into a family by an adoption is an expression of mutual love. And God has adopted those of us who receive Jesus Christ as Savior and King. We would do well to prayerfully consider adopting into our families too. So to speak, I was adopted when I came first to Australia. Beautiful Christian mum and dad came and scooped me up and just involved me in the day-to-day life of what it meant to have a meal with a family, read the Bible as a family, just to have a, a dad or a mum there who I could go and talk to as I wrestled with what it meant to follow Jesus. Is that an option for you? It's a great privilege to bear and adopt and raise children into his forever family. And this is what I think it means to be devoted. To conclude, God has fully revealed himself, who he is and what he is like in his word to us in the Bible. And God has revealed to us who he is and what he is like fully and finally in the person of his son, Jesus. His only son, man in perfection, God in perfection, all in one package. He discarded his glory to which he was entitled as the eternal son of God so that he might take on frailty to come amongst us and make it possible for us to be adopted into the family of God. He discarded heavenly glory to which he was entitled because of his devotion to us. 
His devotion to our conception. His devotion to our adoption. And his devotion to our redemption at the cross and in his resurrection and in his ascension to heaven and in his promise to return to take us to be with him forever. So for now, God has given us a nature and a purpose which is to be fulfilled in mutual love. To put it as simply as I can in the words of Jesus, to love God and to love one another. This fulfills the law of God because it is the law of love. And God is love. As we came to the end of our tour at Blue Scope, we got taken to another section. It was a fascinating area because there is an outcome from the entire process of making metal, which is a kind of subsidiary but critical process. Do you know what the byproduct is from all that fire and steam? It's oxygen. So there's a big pipe that comes out and pipes through precious oxygen into these massive tanks. So there's a subsidiary of Blue Scope called Core Gas. It was under threat just before COVID. It was one of those subsidiaries that through discussions with the government was trying to work out whether it would be allowed to continue. Thank God it was. And do you know why it was? It's because it's the only supplier, I'm told, of oxygen to ICUs all across the Australian eastern seaboard. That's a critical product that was so necessary during the COVID pandemic. May we as God's people, refined in his fire, give out his oxygen of life eternal by the way in which we love one another in mutual love relationships. Let me pray for us that he would do that through us. Father God, we want to thank you for the devotion of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose gospel is the sole supplier of life for all eternity. We have the oxygen in our lungs that keeps us alive now, but we have the oxygen of your eternal love that has drawn us into your family to be able to love others in a way that puts others above ourselves. That is the desire of your spirit within us. That is not our natural desire, Father. So please would you be at work in us that we may love one another in such a way that would give eternal life to one another and to many more in our community. That people would see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and come to him to be their life-giving oxygen for all eternity. Thank you, Father, that you've adopted us into our family. Give us your spirit and heart for those who are weak and vulnerable in our society, especially those who are unborn, that we would show your love to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.